Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Often, there are times in your life that affect you going forward. It might be something that happens to you or maybe happens around you. It might be a death or an illness of a family or friend. It might even be a movie or it might also be a conversation that you have with someone that just makes you think about things a little differently. For me, one of those conversations happened when I started talking with a friend while in Uganda, Africa. He was describing to me what it was like to, to grow up in, in Uganda under the government of military dictator Idi Amin from 1971 to 1979. My understanding of government was really a biblical one, that government was set up by God to protect the innocent and, and provide justice. Corruption gets in the way of that goal and that purpose. Now, my friend was was describing situations where, as a boy, government officials would come into his village and and take any males that they thought could hold a gun and fight. Really, they they would be taken away against their will and and many times just never seen again. When these officials would come into the village, his mom would send him and his siblings out the back of the village into the jungle, and they would have to stay there until they knew it was safe to return. And later, when he was a little older, he said that that you could not travel along maiden roads uh, without government police stopping you multiple times for bribes. I mean, he's, he, he talks about just going a few miles and being stopped, you know, eight or nine times and have to pay the bribes or they would arrest you. These stories just highlighted how fortunate we have had it here in America and that corruption has not really been something that we deal with on a uh, on a large scale. My corruption meter became pretty sensitive and 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 that is why I have really little patience for politicians like Bill and Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden. These are some of the most corrupt politicians I have ever seen. Another example is the political group Black Lives Matter. This fraud of a group raised millions of dollars from people that thought they were actually doing something good. And in reality, the founders made off with a lot of funds to buy mansions and pay for extravagant lifestyles before resigning from leadership of the group. Now, after the last founder uh, resigned in disgrace, that was Patrice Cullors, of course, uh, and, and left leaders, a leadership void, is what she did, uh, of that group, uh, and, and left behind even still millions of dollars to its disposal. Power and money voids like this are always kind of like a vacuum. They, they attract those that, that seek such things. Many times these individuals are corrupt themselves, which is the case here. The Clintons have seized on the opportunity to 
fill within BLM and, and take control of what remaining funds there still are. Now, in a report in the Washington Examiner from February 16th, Jerry Dunley, uh, who is a, a Justice Department reporter, and Andrew Kerr is an investigative reporter, um, filed this, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. It says, Black Lives Matter uh, filings reveal prominent Democratic lawyer Mark Elias as another long-term ally of former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton have taken on key roles in the charity and scrutiny over its leadership and finances. Elias, best known for his funding of British ex-spy Christopher Steele's discredited anti-Trump dossier, uh, while he served as uh, as, as Clinton's uh, 2016 campaign general counsel, appears to be representing the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation through his, his recently formed Elias Law Group. Now, BLM's national organization repeatedly lists the Elias firm as one of its addresses and states uh, in its short short year 2020 form, 990, that its books were now in the care of Elias Law Group. Additionally, Minion Moore, a long-term top ally of, of both Bill and Hillary Clinton, is now listed as part of BLM's board of directors in the charity's filings. It's not clear when BLM's relationships with Elias Law Group and and more began, but Black Lives Matter filed a charitable organization uh, registration statement earlier this month with the New Mexico Attorney General's office and, and listed addresses for BLM in Arizona and Oakland, uh, California. But says BLM's other addresses is in care of or courtesy of Elias Law Group in Washington, D.C. BLM also filed an an annual registration renewal fee report with the California Attorney General this month with the filing saying multiple times that one of its addresses was care of Elias Law Group. The filing also states BLM's books are in the care of the organization that is located with the Elias Law Group. Quote, the latest filings, uh, addition of partisan law lawyer Mark Elias confirms the group is more political than charitable. This was Scott Walter. He's the president of Capital Research Center. He was a, they're a conservative investigative nonprofit group. And he told uh, the Washington Examiner that um, he said, quote, but it also suggests that finally some left wing heavyweights have begun to deal with the embarrassing mess made by a major activist group. The institutional left has failed to pardon the term police, unquote. The National Black Lives Matter group pulled off an accounting maneuver, actually, that allowed it to delay reporting. Um, what what it did with with its sixty million dollar bankroll from 2020, Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation, the charity that serves as the face of the national BLM movement, quietly changed its 12 month accounting cycle to run July through June, giving it until mid May to report what it did with the millions that flooded into its coffers beginning 
in the se- second half of 2020. The new BLM filing with New Mexico also said that uh, Minion Moore is a board member for BLM, and BLM's California filings list her as a board member to- as well. Hillary Clinton's Onward Together PAC was reportedly incorporated by, you guessed it, Elias in April of 2017. And Elias is listed as a governor for the Clinton PAC in a business filing for the Department of of, uh, Consumer and Regulatory Affairs. Now, Moore was listed as the director and president at Onward Together for the fiscal years 2017, 18, and 19. Clinton posted on Facebook, in fact, in May of 2020, that Onward Together would partner with Elias and his uh, democracy docket to protect Americans' right to vote by mail is what they want, wanted to do. And, and she posted in June 2020 that her followers should join Onward Together and Mark Elias in the fight for voting rights by signing up for democracy docket. Now, Elias wrote on the fifth anniversary of Clinton's loss to Donald Trump that, um, that quote, I am still with her. He said, Elias was, was punished actually by a federal appeals court, uh, just last March for a deceptive, um, it, it was a, a duplicitive Texas court filing and, and the judges shot down his effort to wiggle out of that, of the sanctions in, in January. Uh, he benefited from dark money for years with his democracy docket legal fund and and fiscally sponsored project of of Hopewell Fund, um, whose whose board hired a left wing dark money firm uh, to manage its its financial uh, sponsorships. While on Perkins Coey, uh, Elias represented Joe Biden's presidential campaign and the DNC in 2020 and was the general counsel for now president or actually vice president, <laughs> maybe, maybe soon president if, if Joe doesn't make it, um, <laughs> vice president Kamala Harris and her failed presidential bid. Now he also represented the democratic uh, senatorial campaign committee, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, and multiple other PACs. Elias has testified before a grand jury set up by special counsel John Durham, and Moore is listed as a top leader at the Dewey Square Group uh, consulting firm. firm. She has a long history in Clinton world, (laughs) let me tell you, including serving as an assistant to President Bill Clinton and as the director of White House Political Affairs, where she advised both Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton. She went on to work as the CEO of the Democratic National Committee. The the book Shattered, Inside Hillary Clinton's Doomed Campaign, lays out the key role Moore played in Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign, including serving on the Super 6 Executive Council with Jake Sullivan and... Uh, Huma Aberdeen and John Podesta, uh, Robert Mook, Jennifer Palmieri. I mean, you probably recognize, you know, those names. Uh, Moore is described as a Clinton-Hillary confidant in the book, and which notes that she helped Clinton plot her sixteen, uh, our twenty sixteen run from the start, and that Clinton made her a power player within the campaign. 
The book also says that Moore and Elias set up shop at the campaign's Midtown office. And quote, there seems to be very little daylight between the Democratic Party and Black Lives Matter. And this is Tom Fitton, the president of Judicial Watch, a conservative legal foundation. And he told the Washington Examiner that an, um, an, an, an avowed Marxist organization is now being represented by the most prominent Democratic Party lawyer in the country. Does that say something about BLM or more about party operatives that are now seemingly running the show there? The, the co-founder of Black Lives Matter, um, these, these founders, because there, there were multiple, were uh, self-described Marxists. And BLM co-founder Patrice Cullors announced uh, in May that she was resigning from the organization amid the scrutiny over her personal real estate purchases. Uh, she literally purchased four different mansions for you know multiple million dollars. Um, but BLM's new filings with the New Mexico, um, with New Mexico, identifies Colors as an executive director for BLM. Now, Colors said that she, um, Colors has has said that she and co-founder, um, they're they're trained Marxists, and her memoirs include a a forward written by a Communist Party USA vice president candidate Angela Davis. And an opening epitaph uh, from um, uh, Asada Shuriker, who is, uh, or actually was convicted of murder in the death of a police officer in New Jersey. Now, this should be no shock to find out that the Clintons are the ones running BLM now. I mean, their history with fraud and corruption is is probably no better illustrated than by a look at their Clinton Foundation. Now, in an article entitled Six Clinton Foundation Scandals, this is an article written by Ash Show, who is um, who writes for theobserver.com. And and they actually wrote this back in, in 2016, but it says number one, the the number one scandal um, here of the six is selling access to the US State Department. Now of the 154 people who met with or had conference calls scheduled with Hillary, at at least 85 donated to the Clinton Foundation, according to an Associated Press analysis. The 85 donors uh, gave a combined total, get this, of $156 million to the Clinton Foundation. $156 million. And at least 40 gave more than 100000 each. At least 20 gave more than a million dollars. How could anyone possibly believe these donations didn't help get a meeting with Clinton? Now, sketchy foreign donations from um, abusive nations is another one that uh, rocked the world of the Clinton Foundation. Clinton... Um, purports to be a, a defender of women is, is what she likes to, to portray herself as. And, and, and has really talked, talked about, you know, running coal miners out of business and which of course is an extension of the left's hatred for big oil and that type of thing. But yet her foundation has taken money from countries that commit human rights abuses against women and make their money from selling oil. 
In February of, of 2015, the Wall Street Journal reported that Australia, Germany, um, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates, as well as, as the Canadian government agencies, um, that, that they were trying to get the Keystone Pipeline built, um, they, they all donated to the Clinton Foundation. Obviously, Australia and Germany don't count as you know, abusive nations, but donations from foreign, you know, former foreign governments is, is strange really in itself. It had always been clear that Clinton would run for president and the, the donations from Saudi Arabia were especially troubling since Clinton claimed to be a champion of women. Yet Saudi Arabia, of course, bans women from driving or even interacting with men to whom they're not related. They, they literally can't even accidentally look a man in the eye without being killed. So number three, using the State Department to help her, her husband. While his wife was Secretary of State, Bill Clinton's speaking fees magically doubled and even tripled from about 150000 a speech to half a million dollars for a speech in Russia and 750,000 or three quarters of a million dollars for a speech in China. The State Department approved these speeches. How wonderful, how wonderful was it for Bill Clinton to have his wife oversee a department that approved his big money gigs, right? Number four, donations to uh, return uh, donations in return for Bill Clinton's speeches. Bill uh, ranked uh, in at, um, at at least $26 million from speaking in organizations that also donated to the Clinton Foundation. Isn't that interesting? Sure, they, they paid him to speak, right, that we just talked about. And he may have, you know, spoken to them just for the money, but I'm sure it didn't hurt that they also donated to the foundation. So it was kind of a double double whammy there. Now, Huma Aberdeen worked uh, for the state uh, and for the foundation. Now, that's a conflict of interest. You see, for six months in, 20, in 2012, longtime Clinton aide Huma Aberdeen uh, appeared to be superwoman, really. She she was working for Clinton's State Department as as well as the F Clinton Foundation and Clinton's personal office. Uh, and she also cons uh, was a, a, a consultant and working for a consulting firm tied to the Clintons. Now, how did she do it? Well, <laughs> conflict of interest. The foundation was subpoenaed um, and, and, and it was subpoenaed over Aberdeen's work and, and was also under investigation by the FBI for ties to the state department, how it was even legal that Aberdeen worked for both is astounding. Really? What we know now is that by, by using the freedom of information act, judicial watch in August obtained emails that had been hidden from investigators showing that Clinton's top State Department aide, Human Aberdeen, had given special access um, and, and even expedited access to the Secretary of State. And, and, and for those who gave 25000 to $10 million to the Clinton Foundation, they got special access. 
Many of these were facilitated by a former executive of the foundation. His name is Doug Band, uh, who headed uh, Tenyo, which basically Tenyo is a, a shell company that that managed the Clintons' affairs. And as part of this elaborate uh, arrangement, Aberdeen was given special permission to work for the State Department. The Clinton Foundation and Tenyo, uh, uh, another another very clear conflict of interest. As Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton said at the time, these new emails confirm that Hillary Clinton abused her office by selling favors to Clinton Foundation donors. Lastly, helping foreign entities that donated to the foundation. Clinton was a member of the Nuclear Regulatory Commission while she was Secretary of State. The commission was working on a request to approve the sale of U.S. uranium stock to Russian atomic energy agency Rastom, which is a part of a uh, a transition takeover of a of a company which, through an earlier merger, had acquired U.S. uranium interests, and that, and that was that was a political story. Now, surprise, surprise, Rastom it, it had had ties with. Yes, the Clinton Foundation. Rosatom uh, acquired 17% of a South African company called Uranium One in 2009. And in 2007, Uranium One merged with EurAsia, which was owned by Frank Gustra. Now, Gustra gave $31 million, $31 million to the Clinton Foundation in 2006 and pledged $100 million more in the following years. Now, Gusser, along with Bill Clinton, acquired uranium interests in Kazakhstan in 2005. The chairman of Uranium One, when it was acquired by Rostam, you know, his, his name is, was uh, Ian Teffler, uh, also gave $2.35 million to the Clinton Foundation. Then there was the UBS deal in which Hillary Clinton uh, intervened. The, U, the, the IRS was suing Swiss bank UBS AG in, in order to obtain the identities of Americans who used the bank to s- set up offshore accounts. Again, unsurprisingly, after Clinton stepped in, UBS increased donations to the Clinton Foundation from 60000 to 600000 by 2014. It lent the foundation $32 million for an inner city loan program and paid Bill Clinton $1.5 million for some speaking gigs with, with its wealth management chief executive, Bob McCann. Now, the, the Clinton ties to Russia's money doesn't really even stop there. It, it, from uh, a, an article from Investors.com, uh, John Merline uh, said that the Clinton Foundation continues to be the subject of a great deal of controversy uh, long after Hillary Clinton lost her election uh, to Donald Trump. The most recent stems from the o- Omaha administration uh, controversial approval of Russian company purchase of Uranium One, which we were just talking about. The purchase gave Russia, Russia control of 20% of the uranium in the United States all because of Hillary Clinton. While the deal was under consideration, however, the, the Justice Department was investigating a series of criminal acts inside the, uh, the U.S. 
and, and committed by Russian nuclear officials, including bribery, extortion, and racketeering. In addition, they uncovered evidence that Russia uh, and that Russian nuclear officials had routed millions of dollars to, you guessed it, the Clinton Foundation, creating the appearance at least of a conflict of interest since Hillary Clinton, who was then Secretary of State, signed off on the Uranium One purchase. When Hillary Clinton agreed to be Secretary of State during President uh, Obama's first term, she promised to distance herself from the Clinton Foundation. And the foundation also agreed to limit foreign donations. Both agreements were for good reason. I mean, obviously there's a conflict of interest. But during the presidential campaign, evidence emerged that both Clinton and the foundation failed to live up to their promises. Clinton and her top officials continued to have cozy relationships with the foundation throughout her tenure at state. And evidence strongly suggesting that Clinton was granting access and favors to major Clinton Foundation donors. In addition, the Clinton Foundation accepted millions of donations from foreign governments while Hillary was was at state, including one that violated an ethics agreement it had with the Obama administration. The story came out uh, to uh, came to light after the, the release of a groundbreaking book by Peter Schweitzer called Clinton Cash which uncovered a series of State Department decisions that appeared to favor big Clinton Foundation donors. Imagine that. Emails that emerged more recently made it clear that donors received special access and attention from Clinton and her top aides. An AP story found that more than half the private visitors Clinton received at State were donors to her family's foundation. And in a separate separate story from Investors.com, it says emails turned up uh, showing how the found, it, foundation intervened to arrange a meeting between Clinton and the Crown Prince of Bahrain, and, and uh, a country that had been a major foundation donor. A Chicago commodities trader who donated $100,000 to the foundation got a top job at the State Department Arms Control Panel, despite having no experience in that area. And on and on it went. Earlier this year, news broke that the FBI was investigating whether the foundation violated tax laws by converting donations to personal or political uses. In December, um, a couple of Decembers ago, Republicans planned to hold a hearing into the probe before handling control over to the House Democrats, of course, because they lost. Now, throughout all of this, the Clintons and their defenders insist that the foundation was doing great work for mankind. Of course, it was helping the poor and the sick around the world. It, it got top ratings from charity rating agencies, and they said that, that, that there wasn't any hard evidence of wrongdoing. Well, Glo- the, 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 uh, the foundation actually laid off 22 employees. Why? Well, now fresh financial documents now uh, have have come to light that contributions and grants to the foundation plunged since Hillary lost the election they they dropped from 216 million in 2016 to just 26.5 million in 2017 that is a staggering 88% fall you see what was going on here was that <laughs> the 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 foundation was just basically their own um, 
pay to pay for, for play type of thing where if you wanted access to Hillary and particularly since she was running for president and everybody thought that she might make it, well, you had to pay the foundation and they were able to use, use that money even personally. Now, writing in the Washington Post in August of 2016, Charles Krauthammer pretty much summed up the, the whole Tondry tale. He said the foundation is a massive family enterprise. This um, and it's a disgusting charity and, and, and a, an opaque and elaborate mechanism for sucking money from the rich and the tyrannical to be channeled to the Clinton Inc. Foundation. He, he wrote that its, its purpose is to maintain the Clinton's lifestyle, their offices, their travel accommodations, etc., uh, secure profitable connections, um, produce favorable publicity, and reliably employ the vast entourage of retainers uh, ready to serve today at, at the, the coming of the Clinton restoration. Of course, that didn't happen. She didn't uh, become president. But rumors have, have, been, have been swirling around recently that the, that the Clintons had taken over a control of BLM and Black Lives Matter and, and their remaining millions of dollars. I didn't, I, I didn't bring it to you until now. Uh, because I wanted to have evidence that it was actually the case. Now we know that it is true that that new corrupt leaders are leading another corrupt organization. <laughs> and it also it is also another example of how closely the Democratic Party is tied to Marxism. Now you may agree with all of this. You may disagree. I, I would love to start a dialogue with you on it. And of course, you can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.